Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. There's a runny lot looming in the, in the defensive backfield. Uh, there's a Steve Atwater looming in the def- defensive backfield, Cliff Harris. We had to respect those guys because the rules were obviously different. They were starting off with headshots. Uh, they, were, they were being paid to really get you out of the game. Let's be real. Uh, punish you. Either you catch the ball or not catch the ball. You can expect and that hit was coming. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Coming up on Stack in the Box, the Hall of Famer, Isaac Bruce, and it's week five. What the hell was Bill Belichick doing, Matt Verderam? And there are some huge games this week, including your Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. we got a lot to get to. Kansas City, Buffalo, the Reverend Ike, Bill Belichick making an interesting decision that the stats actually might back up. And then also, by the way, Urban Meyer says hello from Columbus. Oh, we got to start with Urban. Stack in the Box starts right now. Uh, Verderam, let me ask you something. If you were an NFL coach and your season started out 0-4 and you lost on a Thursday night and your family was close by, but the whole team was going on back, do you think you would fly back with your football team and perhaps bury yourself in your office and figure out how to win a football game in the NFL? Or do you think you'd stay around and get a lap dance at a bar? What do you think you would do? I'm curious. I think I'd get on the plane. I think it's what I would do, right? Like, I I cannot believe that anyone is this dumb. But yet, Urban Meyer really, really proved himself. Well, so so let, let's go down that one. Do you think he's trying to get himself fired? No, no, you don't. No, I don't. I don't. I because I think I think look, if he really wants, he just quit. Right, like I, you know, he'll just go take the USC job and be done with it. I don't, I don't think that. I think he just, he's used to being basically Teflon. Nothing's ever going to touch him because you know how this stuff goes, Carm. I mean, you've been around colleges like in Columbus, Ohio, when he's the head coach at Ohio State. Nothing's going to stick to him. He's the most important guy in town. Like all the businesses rely on Ohio State football. The paper relies on Ohio State coverage. The TV outlets rely on Ohio State. They're not. They're not going to bury Urban Meyer. That's not going to happen. That video never would have seen the light of day if that happened when he was the Ohio State head coach. So, do we just think that hey, this is a guy who has literally gotten away with? basically everything you can get away with and just still gets, you know, keeps on being promoted because he wins football games. I mean, we bring in the strength coach from Iowa who was uh, fired amid allegations of mistreating black players. That That's the guy that I want on my staff. Was hey, fired within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Was there for less than a day. And and that's, and there we go. Uh, how about, um, let, let's, let's, uh, 
He was, uh, you know, let me get let me get my guy Tim Tebow down here. I, I think that's a great idea for the organization. This is not a huge crime, but just the logic of it. I'm going to bring Tim in, and I'm going to have him play tight end, which he's never played. And then he's going to have 16 snaps in a preseason game, and then I'm going to cut him. Uh, and then I'm going to go party after I uh, 0-4 and uh, get a lap dance. Not really a lap dance, but we get the point. Well, I mean, it's essentially, this right? Is good no, stuff. of course. Look, there have been there have been so many things that have that have gone horribly wrong since he's been there. Right? Don't forget about when they they went over the top at OTAs and they had to pay like a quarter of a million dollar fine, okay? Because he can't figure out the rule book or just couldn't be bothered to. Um, and this like this all too, you know, his his ending at Ohio State was not clean. Okay, you go back, you know, now and he ended up leaving officially because of health reasons. And I'm not here to say whether or not that that's, you know, the real reason he left or whatever. That was the official reason he gave. Fine, fair enough. He was suspended, okay, for the first three games of the 2018 season because an assistant coach on the team, Zach Smith, had domestic abuse allegations levied against him that were, you know, I don't know if you want to say covered up. But certainly not, not maybe investigating the way they should have been, um, you know. And and this is a direct quote from Meyer per the Columbus Dispatch from back then. "Quote: They were a young couple. Anytime I get a phone call or something like that, I tell my boss and I let the experts do their job. It came back to me what happened. We advised him in counseling and moved forward. I mean, now this was when, you know, and Zach Smith, by the way, was in Florida, and then he was at Ohio State with him. I mean, he knew Zach Smith." really well and nothing happened nothing happened like until everything came to light with smith really publicly um you know and this i mean if you go back and look we don't have to get that into it but it, it was it was well reported I mean, it's all out there if you want to go look it up and you know he then quit you know or, or left shortly thereafter so it's not like urban myers had some unbelievable streak of, of great behavior behind him and oh wow this is stunning like it's really not that stunning. Yeah, and let me just throw in a couple more. He, the the Jaguars, the, which was reported, they were one of the three lowest vaccination rates in the league. So that speaks to him being a, a, a slightly crazy man, right? Hey, don't worry about it. This is way too punitive by the league. You guys do what you're going to do. I'm not going to enforce it versus standing up there. Hey, this is the league's mandate. This is, we, we want you guys to follow along because we don't want to be impacted. So clearly he was doing the opposite. And by the way, you know, NFL schedules can be very tough. And sometimes your record is not indicative of actually the team you are. In the case of the Jaguars, you got blown out by the Texans, who maybe played the worst game in the history of football against the Bills. So, yeah. Oh, it's indicative of who they are. They suck. I mean, yeah. let's, have, let's have a quarterback controversy with Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. That's what you want to do. Okay, I, I just – listen. Do you think so, he's there by the end of the season? Like week 18, they're running on the field. Is he with him? I, I would never have said no because, of, like, why would you take the job? Like, I, I didn't understand the conversation that has been going on for months now. Will Urban make it – will Urban make it for the season? He hasn't even coached a game yet. Of course he's going to make it through the season. But this is going so epically bad that – I guess my point in bringing it, wanting to start the show with it here is just the way we 
bend over backwards for people because they've won football games in the past or have had success in the past. If we just put it to sports life period, it's just, this, this guy does not deserve to be where he's at and, and, and look what you're getting for it. I, I, Jacksonville, what are you doing, man? You've got the number one pick in the draft. You've got one of the most talented quarterbacks to come out in a long time. At least that's what he was thought of before yeah. the season started. I still think he is. He's extremely talented. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you want to saddle him with this guy? I mean, come on. It's just bad, bad news. Um, but here, let's, you want, let's, let's go on the field. Let's do it. Uh, um, so, a lot of, we're, as, as you're putting, we're sort of at the quarter pole, four games through 17 game season. So, not quite. Uh, you're, you're asking the question, the Verderam rundown, best team in football, which some people are screaming that it's the Arizona Cardinals, which, right. feels, which feels crazy to me. Let's not go nuts. Only undefeated be, team. I understand, but let's not be an idiot here. I mean, you want to say the Cardinals are a legit playoff team and might even win the division, I can hear it, but don't tell me they're the best team in football. I agree. I agree with you. Look, I, and that's why I always like to do an actual analysis of this, right? Because you go on, like, you go on ESPN.com or something, I'll call them out this morning. Like, they, you go to their power rankings, and it's just like, who's got the best record, and that's all it is all the way down. And it's just like, it's not a power ranking. Like a moron could sit there and just rank those. I mean, you could get a little kid who could just sit there and, okay, well, this team's got a better record than this team. Who are the best teams? Who are the team? And, and the way I look at that is if you put these two teams in a playoff game right now, who do you think would win the game? I think through four weeks, I still think the Rams are better than the Cardinals, even though they lost to them. Like, I get it. But if you said to me, look, they're going to see each other again, like we, I think Los Angeles is the better team had a bad day. I think Tampa is good, but I got to tell you one thing that concerns me with Tampa right now. And you and I talked about this. They last year were incredibly healthy. They got a lot of guys hurt. Now it's early and guys can come back and whatnot. They have a lot of injuries. Their secondary is getting cooked. I mean, Mac Jones just took them to the cleaners. They're not getting pressure, but I got to be honest, man. I still like Tampa. I still like the Packers. I still like the Rams more than the Cardinals. I might even like Dallas. Like, I, I don't, you know, although, although I think Arizona belongs above Dallas right now. Um, I still, I think, dude, I, I think all those teams are in the mix. I don't know that I have a best team in the NFC. I think all of them in the, in the AFC might got to take a pick. There's five or six teams you can throw in there. Let's just talk about Bucks, Pats for one second here. What do you think of Mac Jones? He's a game manager. Like, okay. That's what he is. Accurate, he accurate, smart, but like he's not he's not going to be like Justin Herbert, I don't think. Okay, but he played a good game? Yes, very solid game. Okay. And it was raining, right, at the end Correct. of the game? Pouring. Okay. And it was a 56-yard field goal. Yes, it was. They so, should have gone for it on fourth and three. So when you're sitting on the Verderam couch, you were saying you, you got to go? Yes. I can honestly right. say in the moment, yes. I thought that's a long way to kick a field goal in that kind of condition. Now, I know we live in a different age and even, you know, that you grew up with and I grew up with where, you know, in the 90s, if some guy tried a 56-yard field goal, you pretty much thought he had maybe a one-in-four shot of hitting it. That's not the case anymore. You probably at least have a 50% chance. That's a long way to kick a field goal in, the, in a driving rainstorm. You know, and, and uh, you know, my thing is, too, like the snap can go wrong. The holds can go wrong. Now, it didn't. They got it down. The operation was smooth. I thought on fourth and three, the way they were throwing the football, especially short and underneath, yeah, I would have gone for it. 
So I pulled some stats for this one for the record on the field goal kick from that distance because it's it, right. Me growing up 56 yarder, he might as well be kicking it from 70. Yeah. yeah. Right. But since 2010, you want to take a guess how what percentage of kicks have been made from 56 yards out? From 56? Uh, uh, like a third. So 61%, which is have crazy. Been hit? Yes. Isn't that crazy? I, I was stunned that by that. That is mind blowing. 61%. 61%. Now, and during the same period, if you go back to 2010, fourth and three, what percentage is the conversion rate? 40%. 48. So, okay. so, so then percentage wise, although I guess, you know what, there also has to be a factor a little bit. Oh, that's great work by you to have those numbers. I, I would think maybe part of that is that if you're kicking that field goal, you have a great kicker. Right. You know, you're probably not trotting out some guy who's a complete bum. Like you're trotting out Justin Tucker. Let alone a guy like Nick Folk who's got a left knee injury. Hadn't hit a field goal from 56 or longer since 2010. Yeah, okay. It's a lot. So, so I'm just, and we all think that Bill Belichick's a great coach, right? And, and scheme that game well. But you're telling me, to your point about Mac Jones, game manager, this dude played a great game. And yet Belichick's choice in that moment is, I trust this dude with his bad knee in the rain to boot a 56-yarder. By the way, we're going to give the ball back to Tom Brady. I trust all of that more than him picking up fourth and three. Well, I guess uh, that was the biggest reason. And we can move on. The biggest reason I would have gone for it on fourth and three is even if they hit the field goal, Brady's got two timeouts in 50 seconds. Right. I'm not, I'm not giving him that. So, I would have said, you know what? Screw it. We're going for it and trying to get closer or we're losing because so, I'm not giving him the ball. But so we're, we're, we're getting into my theory here because I don't think it's logical to think that, that, watching Mac Jones that game that this is all but better but I think somewhere in Belichick's mind he wanted to put Brady back out on the field and stop him I think somewhere in there he had the desire to let's that's right I am willing to kick it to him and we're gonna and and I have a scheme for this moment when I put nothing on tape the week before when we got smoked and and whatever I, I don't know like I I think there was some ego in that decision of him wanting to stop Brady is my deep calm maybe even unconscious hypothesis of why he made that decision. Cause that decision was straight off. And by the way, he, I mean, he did hit the upright, just missed it. So had it, the distance had the distance. So may, maybe I'm wrong, but I, that, that's what I was thinking. Like this, oh, that awesome. was the loudest upright I've ever heard in my life. A good upright. Very, very but, solid. Um, all right. Well, let's get back to it though. All right. So my, like, my answer, as far as the best team, I know it's yeah. a horrible answer for podcast. Like, I, I, I don't have one right now. I think there's about 10 teams in the same mix. And for the AFC, by the way, I'll just toss them out there. Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, Kansas City. You want to throw the Chargers in there? That's fair. Like, I, Fine. Throw them in there. Uh, do you have a team? Do you have a team that you look at through four weeks? You know, I think that's clearly the best team. Yeah, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team. I don't care. Have you seen their defense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 by the way, the Chiefs haven't covered and they were or brutal in covering for, I don't know. Their week. Finally did it. Yeah, Sunday. Carm had them right here, buddy. I, I, I said they are going to smoke the Eagles. There's no way that Andy Reid's going back there after everything that's happened here. That And uh, I was sweating it out for a second. They were actually going to cover it, but they did. So um, you, you're telling me right now, you're Verram, you have to bet your uh, the, half of your incredible fortune that you've amassed working at Fansided. You're telling me you're, you wouldn't bet on the Chiefs to win it all? Over, if you had to pick one team, who are you picking? I don't know. I, I honestly, I 
I guess I would only because I don't have a strong feeling toward anybody at the moment. And if, if you said to me, you have to pick a team, I mean, give me the quarterback, him, right? Like give me him because he could drag their worthless ass to a super. I mean, look, they were every bit as bad defensively in 2018 when he won the MVP. And there were a coin flip or a D Ford's offside penalty from going to the Super Bowl. And they would have, they would have killed the Rams in that game. So, like to me, I don't, I guess, but you know, and we're gonna get into it. They got a the AFC, there's a lot of implications coming out of this game, week five, Buffalo, Kansas City. A lot of them. I think this game is going to shape the way the road to the Super Bowl goes in the AFC. So, all right, since you brought up Buffalo, Kansas City, um, my, one of my favorite sites that I like to go to as far as the gambling, and by the way, uh, BetSide is doing an absolutely phenomenal job. Big Man Bets yes. comes out on Wednesday. Um, where I try to figure out, though, how I'm going to bet, I like to go against the public. So I, You do. You're a big fan of that. I, I, yes, I love to fade the public, and I like to fade the public on where it makes sense. What do you, who do you think the public is on, Buffalo and Kansas City? Kansas City. Right. They're not. They're on Buffalo. Oh. 64, 64% of the money right now are on the Bills getting three. So people are down on the Chiefs. And so I love Kansas City this week for the record. But that's it. Isn't that interesting? It is. Usually the Chiefs get all the public money because of Mahomes and Arrowhead and everything else. I will say this about this game. And if you want to hear my full, like, unbridled takes on this, you're a Chiefs fan and listening to this podcast, subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast because on Thursday you're going to get an hour of it. Um, I have no idea what to expect in this game. None. You, you know, normally, man, I have a really strong feeling about most games, especially with Kansas City. I could see the Bills scoring 45 points. I could also see this game being that classic, like, everybody's down on them and they come out and they win 42 to 20. Like, I could see them doing it. I – because I will say this, Buffalo's defense has been great all year. They're the number one defense in the league. They have two shutouts in the last three games. Kansas City's offense is number one in the NFL. It, it has been absurd. Um, I, I think the Chiefs are going to score plenty of points in the game. Like Of that matchup, I think the Chiefs will win the matchup. But Buffalo has played Ben Roethlisberger, Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, and Jacoby Brissett. All right? I mean, those four guys combined aren't as talented as Mahomes. And the Chiefs' offensive weapons are ridiculous compared to those four teams. Like, I... And Josh Gordon's playing, which adds a wrinkle of, like, who the hell knows how they're going to use him. I think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. My question is, can the Chiefs do anything defensively? If they can, I think they'll win the game. But it's it's a big game, man. Buffalo wins are two up on the Chiefs with a breaker. Like, the AFC playoffs, I think, go through Buffalo if the Bills win this game. If the Chiefs win this game, you're now tied, and Kansas City's secondly ahead of them with the breaker in hand. And the Chiefs are through by far the, the hardest portion of their schedule. And all of a sudden, you start looking at that thing going, if there's a rematch, it's probably at Arrowhead. So I think this game has massive, massive implications. Sunday night, Arrowhead. I'm looking forward to it. I missed the baseball playoffs as well. By the way, the uh, White Sox will be playing at that time. It'll be a very, very, very high sports night in, in, in Carm's life over here. There's some great games, though, in week five. You, yep. got, you got the Cardinals hosting the, the, the Niners, which is a sweet game. I, New York and Dallas is, is super interesting to me. Cleveland on the road at the Chargers is yes. a winner. Uh, and then Sun, and Thursday night, I mean, we got Rams in Seattle, which I, is another great game. A lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about Indy and Baltimore. It's 
at least interesting. I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a great game, but it's not a great game, but it's an interesting game. No, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good games this week. Uh, you know, and hey, I, you know what? You got to give them their due, man. The Bengals are hosting the Packers. Like, if the Bengals win that game, a lot more interesting. And I'll give you one other one that I think is an interesting game. Steelers are hosting Denver. This is this is Custard's last stand for Pittsburgh. Like, you got to win this game. You've lost three in a row, two at home. You're getting a Denver team that's basically beaten you, me, and, and Sean the first three weeks of the season and then get just boat raced by the Ravens. Like, are the, are the Broncos any good? Because if the Broncos lose this game to me, just the Broncos, just throw them out. I, I, I don't even need to see the rest of the Broncos season to know they're not that good if they lose to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh cannot score a point. So I'm, I'm very curious how that game goes. I'm actually shocked that you're giving him one more chance to right the ship sitting at one and three with everybody three and one in that division. Yes, it's early 17 game schedule, but I think most people have Pittsburgh buried and not coming back. I, By the I way, do, but yeah. I'll say this though, and I'll be I, I do, but I also think that's a proud franchise. That's a very well coached team. And they're not just going to go quietly into the night. Like now, now they may not be good enough to do much about it, but you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you look at a team, they're just, they're, you know, they're just going to roll over. They're used to losing, they're losers. It, it, that's not the Steelers. It's not. No question. No question. And every comment from Ben Roethlisberger, what do you expect him to say? But he's still maintaining as positive as an attitude as you possibly can. One little nugget, too, just about the Broncos. Vic Fangio and John Harbaugh having this weird what, battle. What the hell? Yeah. Like, and I, I love Fangio. I love him. But he, he kind of needs to relax. I, I don't know whose side you're on in the. Uh, I'm on, you know, I'm actually, I'm on neither one of their sides. They're both <laughs> idiots for this. Like, Harbaugh running, for anyone who doesn't know what happened, it, the Ravens are up 23 to 7 with like five seconds left. Could have just knelt down, ended the game. And Harbaugh calls a run because the Ravens have this streak of 100-yard rushing games. And if they had gotten 100 yards against Denver, they tie the record with the Steel Curtain Steelers back in the 70s. They run the ball, they get to 100 even, and fans just furious that they ran the ball instead of just taking it. Now, look, my feeling is fans needs to just shut up about it. Like, it's an NFL game, man. Like, you know what? Then don't give up the rushing yard. It's like, then just stop them. That being said, everybody and their mother kneels there. And I know it's like this, this catchy new age thing to just be like, oh, there's just a whole bunch of old guys. It's just dumb. Like, look, you know what? Harbaugh should take the knee and be and, and just and just be a responsible adult in the room and not be chasing some stupid record, which by the way, they have kind of a weird history of doing. Like they've won like 19 preseason games in a row. They're, like they're oddly proud of that. Like it matters. Like and and it, Harbaugh after the games, like you know, it, it's a really important record, bro. No, it's not. Nobody gives a shit how many times you rush for a hundred yards. Like nobody cares. Win a playoff game. It's it's a very weird thing. Yeah, and I'm with Vic for the record. Like, dude, if you're gonna get the record, you need to get the record in the game when it matters, not going That's for so the, cheap and stupid. It, it, it's cheap and stupid and pathetic. And it gives your whole record a damn asterisk. However, I, I just think that Vic, like don't even acknowledge what happened. Like um, 
I, I thought it was almost beneath him to get in the war. And then and Harbaugh's response, like, well, why do they throw the ball in the end zone down 23 to seven? I, you can't get a 16 point play because, you know, dude, what do you mean? Why do they throw the ball in the end zone? They're working on plays. They're they're You know, they're not they they're What are they supposed to do? Roll out there and take a kneel down themselves. That's you, you take advantage of the 60 minutes of a football game in a, in a game you lost. There's nothing wrong with what the Broncos did at all. Like that was even a worse defense by Harbaugh. Overall, I'm with Fangio, but he should have just let it go is my. Overall, and take look, here. worry more about the fact that you threw for 148 yards. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's Teddy was off and then and now, now injured, and it's they're back where they were. All right. Uh, hey, let's bring in as promised Isaac Bruce. This is a great conversation, not really to is. pat ourselves on the back here. And mainly, it was him, by the way. Um, you know, we, we just got nothing. we got out of the way, and, and he was super interesting. Um, so we got Ben Heisler coming up as we'll take some place our bets and we'll uh, look into the future as well. But right now, let's turn it over to our guy, the Hall of Famer, Isaac Bruce. The St. Louis Ram, the Hall of Famer, 16 seasons, the numbers completely ridiculous, over 1,000 catches, over 15,000 yards, 91 touchdowns in his Super Bowl winning career the greatest show on turf isaac bruce thanks for joining the stack in the box podcast my friend we appreciate it hey man thanks for having me on man i appreciate you so let's just start at the top here why do you think you were able to last as long as you did playing the most insane sport (laughs) on the planet if you will oh man i tell everybody it was all by the grace of god man and i think uh you know, playing such a collision sport, which I call it, um, it, it takes a mindset. You know, obviously, the, the guys who have played who come before me, uh, the ones who have played in my era and the ones who have come after me. I think we're a little off. I mean, to play the sport. But at the same time, I, I felt like the mindset, having the right mindset while you're playing was uh, extra, extra important. So I, I learned a lot from the guys that came before me and, and, and the coaches that, that coached me. And uh, we were able to uh, do 16 seasons, man. 16 training camps. I say the games and everything was easy. The training camps were, were, were I mean, Navy Sealish. So you played on the greatest show on turf. Two yeah. Super Bowl appearances, you won one of them. One of the greatest offenses of all time. Yeah. The rules were different back then. Like DBs could do a lot of different things. Going across the middle actually meant something. If that offense played by today's rules and today's structures, what do you think that the numbers would have looked like for you guys? Well, you know, I call it a different uh, rule dispensation that's being played right now. Um, you know, I always start, start off when I get this question um, about, you know, when we got off the plane in a certain city, uh, San Francisco, uh, Atlanta, uh, sometimes in San Diego, um, we knew from an offensive standpoint, wide receivers particularly, that there was a level of respect that we had to have for the guys that we were preparing to play. And I, I say that to say this is because when there's a runny lot looming in the, in the defensive backfield, uh, there's a Steve Atwater looming in the def- defensive backfield, Cliff Harris. We just, I mean... <laughs> We had to respect those guys because 
the rules were obviously different. They were starting off with headshots. Uh, they were they were being paid to really get you out of the game. Let's be real, uh, punish you. So um, any opportunity that they got to level a big hit on a, a guy like me, uh, a guy like Tory Hope, uh, they were going to take that opportunity. With either you catch the ball or not catch the ball, you can expect, and that hit was coming. So. I mean, the difference today with the with the way the guys and the rules are being played and uh, the way it's been played, it, it's totally different. I think we heard one of the uh, one of the quarterbacks here recently, you know, said that it's gotten softer. I mean, it isn't it isn't soft to a certain point where any Joe off the street would come and play it. But you know, if you've been in it, you can tell that the there's a, there's a level of softness that that has come through the league, and uh, it's it's truly different. Is there one hit that still sticks out in your mind when you think about it? He really got me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I tell you what, you know, from a, from a fan standpoint, um, you know, the big hits where a receiver is going across the middle and it's like, bam, you know, those type hits, they, they really don't hurt. I mean, because you kind of expect it, you can bounce, bounce up from it, but it's the hits that you really don't see uh, where a guy's being held up by one guy and the other guy comes in uh, kind of away from the camera and delivers a blow to you when you're trying to hold the football. Those are the hits that, that, that can linger through. I mean, the game's played on Sundays. You can feel that till Thursday. So um, yeah, there are a couple of guys that, that deliver some blows to me, man, that, that I wasn't really happy about. How long did it take you to realize Kurt Warner's pretty damn good? Like, obviously you, you guys came out of the gates, you're three and oh, he's on SI, you know, I think it was after week three, but, as a receiver, how long did it take before you were like, this guy can play? Like we're not we're yeah. not screwed with Trent going down. Well, we didn't we didn't get much reps uh that training camp with Kirk. Uh Trent Green was the guy. He came in, he knew the offense uh backwards and forward. And uh he was he was real well uh rehearsed in the lingo of the offense. So uh he and Mike Martz had a combination before they came to St. Louis and and uh we didn't get many reps with Kirk. Uh, we were going right into the last preseason game when Trent w- goes down with the ACL tear. And, you know, it took a little while for Kirk, man. I mean, he, he came into the huddle. I felt like, uh, you know, there was a level of confidence there, but there's nothing like your confidence growing from actual play on the field. And I felt like, you know, once he started to get that round week six or seven, I felt like he was comfortable. Uh, you know, to the to the NFC game from that moment to the NFC championship game, I felt like he was pretty comfortable in, in, in who he was and he was able to show his skill set. And once he was comfortable to that level, man, you just saw him explode. Yeah. Even if you have tremendous belief in yourself, success on the field, there's no uh, better substitute. Right. But then that like, oh, OK, I actually am right here. I do belong. Yeah. Oh, indeed. I mean, it, uh, the National Football League is a proving ground. So, um, you know, you can talk about it. You can be drafted very high or very low or not drafted at all. But at the same time, once you get on a practice field, uh, you know, training camp particularly, you know, it, it will either expose you or really uh, make you feel like you're supposed to be there. So that, I, I think every player goes through that transition. You, you mentioned training camp. I just want to touch on that before we get too far away from it. I mean, you played for Chuck Knox, Dick Vermeil, Mike Marks. We got a long list here we could go through. Yeah. Uh, Mike Singletary, even on the back end uh, with the Niners. 
Who, who had the toughest training camp? By far, it was Dick Vermeil. By far. I mean, it's, it's not even close. Um, you know, I talked with uh, other guys who played for Coach Vermeil uh, in Philadelphia, uh, in Kansas City. And to a T, we can all share the same stories, the same memories of uh, just how hard and tough his training camps were. And uh, they, he was relentless, and the camps and practices themselves were relentless. And, you know, he had a method of uh, breaking you down and building you back up. So he definitely did the breaking down part. Uh, but, you know, the practices themselves, man, they, they go down in history as legendary. I wanted to ask you two more things quickly about that team and, and about that season, since it was just such a, a magical year. I mean, heck, there's a movie coming out right now about Kurt Warner's career and his ascension. And of course, that 99 years, a huge part of it. You were on the team when they were in L.A. to begin in 94. Team was terrible. All of a sudden, 99, you win it all. And you made the, the ultimate play of that season. You catch the winning touchdown pass. Um, if you could just take me through that play, what you're thinking when you line up, knowing the route you're about to run, and then how it all shook out. Well, that play was uh, it, it was called in the huddle, uh, and Coach Martz wanted to, you know, do like he's always done, really just kind of move the clock, give us a shot to win the game at the end, take us right into the two minute warning. Uh, it was a play that we had run plenty of times. Normally, what we do is we have four wide receivers in the game, and we spread the defense out. Uh, run everybody off. And from there, what we do is uh, we just check it down to Marshall, let Marshall get what he can. Uh, but for some reason, at that, that point in the game, I felt like, you know, I, it was my moment. Um, when I heard the play call, I knew automatically that I would end up getting the football. Uh, I'd get a shot to make a play. And uh, Kurt just drops back. He throws a shot. He gets hit. His arm gets hit by uh, Javon Curse. And I see the ball in, in, the, in the air. I'm running stride for stride with the defender. But at that moment, you know, it's kind of like, you know, every dream that a guy's ever had as far as playing football. And I, I always envision other people, including offensive and defensive linemen, when they envision football, it's always either throwing a winning touchdown pass or catching a winning touchdown pass. And, uh, you know, I had that moment lived out uh, right there in Atlanta for me. And just being able to run between tackles, run away from people, and just solidify and, and, and cement that moment uh, in the minds of, of, of uh, fans and myself included, uh, one of the greatest plays of my life. You played a long time with Torrey Holt, who's one of the greatest receivers of all time. You're now in the Hall of Fame. He's been right on the border. What would be your case for him to join you in Canton? Well, first and foremost, I think uh, when you put up his body of work, um, you know, from the time we drafted him, uh, and in, this, in the place where we drafted him, six selection overall, uh, he truly exceeded that selection. And uh, his numbers, I mean, it's pretty much a, a numbers game as far as what you've done on the field when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Torrey's no different. He's, he's amassed 13,000 career receiving yards. And within those yards, you know, he's the only receiver that has 1,300 consecutive, five 1,300 consecutive seasons and you know to the the impactful plays that he made I mean just being in the offense that we played with um you know when you are developing a new wide receiver or you're comparing wide receivers to uh that may be in college or guys that you may want to have on your team Tory Holt's film is the film that you use to measure that by so 
you know, from that that standpoint alone, I think that garners him uh, being in the right position to become a pro football Hall of Fame. Isaac, how do you feel about the Rams being back in L.A.? Uh, initially, I had mixed feelings about it. I mean, I got drafted in Los Angeles uh, 1994, you know, after two years of uh, junior college in Los Angeles before that. So I was familiar with Los Angeles. I was enjoying Los, Los Angeles before the move. Um, and then, but I always say I grew up in St. Louis. I was a St. Louis Ram for a very long time. Uh, so many great moments uh, for me personally in St. Louis. Uh, you know, met my wife in St. Louis. Uh, so many great victories, losses, defeats, and, and just a ton of time that I spent in St. Louis. And for the team to move back to Los Angeles, um, you know, I, I was kind of on the fence about it. Um, it it, it was a, wasn't happy about it. But at the same time, I looked at it from a business standpoint, you know, from what the leadership was doing there. And, uh, you know, I could see it coming. So when it happened, I just wasn't, you know, just just entirely upset about the move itself, but my heart went out for the fans. And, you know, just being back in Los Angeles right now, it's kind of fitting, you know, considering we started there. You know, had it been another city that we were uh, relocating to, by all means, man, I'd, I'd still be tearing it down. I don't think I would be affiliated with the team at all. But when it's Los Angeles, what other place could you be? You know, last thing for me, I'm just curious. I'm sure you still watch plenty of football these days. Who's the receiver that you look at and say, you know, he reminds me of me when I played. He's a guy who I, I see a lot of me and him, or maybe even more so, who's somebody you just enjoy watching? Just is a guy you really like watching on a week-in, week-out basis. Well, the Rams are lining up against uh, the Arizona Cardinals this weekend, and I really like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Everything he brings to the table. Uh, his approach to the game. I believe he's a football player first, then a wide receiver. Uh, he likes to mix it up. He catches a lot of passes, uh, you know, with his hands. Uh, he's just a great football player in my sight. So he's been very consistent since he came out of Cle uh, Clemson. And uh, I think I see a lot of what he does uh, as far as what I used to do on the football field. And that's one guy that I, I pay to see play. Gotcha. Yeah, you, you had a very interesting Hall of Fame speech. It was memorable. In the sense, you know, a lot of guys go up, they, they say, hey, thanks, take some flowers and walk off. You right. were not afraid to say, hey, you know what, there was a guy who told me I couldn't play. And then you list off a few guys who, by your standards, couldn't play and say, hey, I made it. What went into that speech? Did you hesitate to do that? Or were you like, no, I'm, I'm going to make sure that whoever that scout was, he's going to know exactly what I think about his evaluation 25 years later? Uh, not at all. I felt like, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, when I get an interview, I'll talk football. I'll talk, uh, you know, X's and O's. Uh, you know, we just talked about DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to get that opportunity week after week, just as long as there's football around. So I felt like the Hall of Fame speech was a moment to really not even, not only encourage others, but just to be that example, man. I mean, I was it wasn't that I was trying to rub anything in anyone's face, but it just kind of came out uh, the way it did. And, um, you know, it was something that was significant years ago. I didn't use it as motivation. Uh, you know, I always believe that discipline is a lot stronger than motivation. So um, I didn't really think about that guy during my career. But as time waned, as far as me uh, being done playing football, you know, it kind of crossed my mind. So I felt like uh, just being in that moment, being in that situation, as far as a player is concerned, it was time to uh, make mention and give, give homage to that person. 
I like to call your Michael Jordan moment because his Hall of Fame. It was very similar, right? It was very similar. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you put Michael, you put Michael Jordan on the stage to talk about his basketball career. You know, I don't think he's one to really, uh, you know, really tell you the X's and O's about his footwork and everything and what he felt like when he's making the shot. He's, he'll want to he'll want to let you know why he went out of person so hard and the reason, you know, this this outcome was the outcome that set it all up. Well, how, how would you best describe just the the mentality of the highly successful? I mean, anybody who gets to your level is completely ridiculous. And then there's guys, you know, I, I still watch on social media all the time, like you know Kobe Bryant clips where he's talking about. You know, if I got up at four, then I'm working out at five, then I'm back and I'm recovering at nine and then I'm back out there. to You know, I mean, it's like there's a separation even in that level of dudes who just are so unbelievably committed all the time. 365. Like, how, how do you uh, that, that part of it, like when you think about just understanding it and how you got to where you were at, what what resonates with you? Well, really, uh, I, I watch and I see the same things that you see with those great players. I mean, for me, I think they eat, sleep, and think their sports so so many times, and they're often using their imagination uh, or, or, or just playing that movie back in their head of what they've done, what who they are right now, and what they're going to do. I think it's just that important to them. And many times they get an opportunity to physically practice those things. You know, they'll go to a gym. They'll go to a football field. Uh, they may leave the, the physical part of it, but the mental approach of it never leaves them completely. They'll probably sleep and dream about it. Even to this day, um, I've seen, I've dreamed myself running slant routes and, and uh, catching passes in a game. So I just felt like that, that, that God places these gifts on the inside of us and plants us. And then, you know, he, he trusts us, entrusts us to believe him to make it flourish. So, you know, we continue to uh, do the watering. Uh, we do the harvesting, but the increase part, which comes from God, it never stops and it never ceases. So um, that's my answer for that, man. And I just yeah. always thought and dreamed. I ate a lot of football. I, I enjoyed playing the game. It, it seemed like if, um, as if, you know, I do it for free. I mean, you know, I always say I practice, you know, I, I play the games for free, but you got to pay me to practice. That was my mentality. <laughs> Was Jerry Rice a motivator for you? I think he was. He was the standard when uh, I was in high school, college. Uh, uh, definitely when I was early in, early on in the league, uh, he definitely was the guy to watch his approach to the game and just how he uh, ran routes. And, and you know, you know, for me, I believe you have to be a football player first, and then a quarterback, or then a wide receiver, or offensive lineman. I think he had all of those things. I mean, he had every uh, uh, characteristic that you wanted in a football player. And he was a great wide receiver, man. Explosive, uh, uh, catching balls at their high points, uh, never backed down from challenges, and very highly productive. So he was that standard. And, you know, a lot of us chased him for a while. And uh, I, I just think he was one of the greatest ones to do it. You know, the game is, as we talked about a little bit before, the game's changed so much. Right. Like it's a lot easier now to run around across the middle. You're not worrying maybe as much as you used to about getting a headshot or getting, getting decleated. What was your favorite route to run when you were a player? Was there a route that in a, in a clutch moment, you're like, you know what? Give me a nine route. Give me a slant. Give me an out. What, what was your go-to? 
Uh, my go-to route was any route where I was pretty much 99.9% getting the football. I mean, pretty <laughs> much that was it, man. So, I mean, we were taught to run the route tree and uh, we, we just couldn't take one route off a route tree and say, bam, this is, this is what I want to be known for. But just running the route tree was very, very uh, significant and important to, you know, everybody that I was around, everybody that was tutoring me from the Henry Ellis, uh, Tory I mentioned, uh, Ricky Pro, we, we were all of the same mindset. And uh, yeah, any, any, any route that was coming to me, I'm all for it. I think we're far enough away from it. We can call one guy out and, and compliment one QB. Who didn't get you the ball enough and who did? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there were some guys that I had to train. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the training, the training part comes in practice. And, you know, you can sit down in, in a film room and, and really tutor a guy and have him, if he's a, a, a young quarterback, you can, you can help with the opening of his eyes uh, from a quarterback's position. And you can also help with the opening of his eyes from a wide receiver position to know when a player is open in the NFL and versus in college is, is two different things. So there's a couple of guys, man. I, I think every quarterback I played with did, a, did a, a, a great job getting me the football. There were a couple of guys in college. That that training that training session went a lot longer than than I expected it to go, but um, there were definitely guys out there. But but for the most part, I felt like you know all the guys that I you know I helped I helped uh, train these guys and they helped train me as well. Maybe it's an obvious answer. Which game in your career meant the most to you? Was it winning the Super Bowl or was it the NFC Championship game against the Bucks and getting to the Super Bowl and win that game in St. Louis? Well, obviously, the game versus the Bucks is a, to me is a lot more significant. I think in some ways it's it's probably bigger than the Super Bowl itself because you know you have so many guys, so many players that have played this game professionally, and you know I, I'm thinking of one guy who's played 16 years and never went to a Super Bowl. So just to be on the cusp in an NFC Championship game and you know have that denied or have it accessed by winning that game. It was huge. So, so both of my my trips to the NFC Championship was significantly big. I don't think that I, I just had to, had to do a little research on the fly here. I think Steve Matthews might want to watch this video. Uh, <laughs> no, he was pretty good. He, okay. he fed me pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Steve, you're you're good. You're, yeah. you're good. You're good. You're yeah. good. Hey, hey, Isaac. Uh, thank you so so much for the time today. You you have been working with Special Olympics for a long time. Uh, they honored you, of course, around the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, and we really appreciate uh, the partnership that we've had with Special Olympics. What, what, what about it for you uh, warms your heart the most, I guess? Well, just, just getting everyone involved in sports. I think I was uh, first introduced to the Special Olympics uh, in 1995 in St. Louis. And uh, to still be affiliated with them, uh, I think is special. Um, they get an opportunity to be a part of sports. Uh, they're more knowledgeable than what people give them credit for. And, you know, they're sports fans as well. So, I mean, I, I believe fitness is a high priority for, for every American. We should uh, do our best to participate. So just having the opportunity uh, presented to the special, uh, special needs and Special Olympics is awesome. You, you're a guy who would have been successful no matter what here. But so let's just, if we took sports away from it, what do, what do you think Isaac Bruce would have done? Oh, that's easy, man. I, I probably would have created the uh, first sports team and been an owner of it. So, I, I, I don't see why we can't have you be an owner down the line here. I mean, why not? Yeah, me either. 
I don't see it either. Yeah. Maybe but maybe it, yeah. maybe bring a bring a team back to St. Louis. That's part that may be part of the plan. Oh yeah. Hey, St. Louis, St. Louis is going at the NFL pretty good right now. Maybe the NFL uh, would be more than happy to give St. Louis a shot. Hey, Matt, you know, I'm I'm for peace, and maybe the NFL is for peace. St. Louis may be for peace. And just put, you know, a representative of the peacemaker right in between the two. So I can see that happen. If they're serious about um, you know, the inclusion of people of color uh being in owners ownership positions, we see that soon. Do do you think they're serious? Um, I think sometimes uh, they, they, they throw words at the wind, but um, I don't think they're the, uh, the judge with the gavel that, that, that really, you know, says yes or no. So their seriousness may, may have went up probably a percentage point. It would probably be at 0, 0.8 right now. But uh, I believe in miracles, man. Hey, we're, we got to move it forward as best we can, one little inch at a time or, zero, or 0.8 at a time. 0.08. Hey, awesome to talk to you, Isaac. We really Me appreciate too. it. No problem, man. I enjoyed it. Isaac Bruce, working with Special Olympics and talking to Stack in the Box. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. It is now time to place your bets with the managing editor of Bet Sided. And for all your betting needs, go to winbet.com. W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. We have six games on the docket. And we're starting, by the way, we got the Bears on here, which I'm very excited about. And, of course, we'll look at the Bills and Chiefs. But we're starting with uh, what's going to be an awesome game Thursday night. So get it in early here. Rams are a one and a half point favorite at Seattle. The total is 54. Ben, the public absolutely positively loves the Rams here. Do you? I think I do. And we've had all sorts of conversations about opportunistic times to fade the public. Uh, But I think they have it right, considering that the Rams were still the favorites in this division. Uh, Seattle up until last week really hadn't been playing good football and the Rams have an opportunity on a short week. Yes, it's traveling to a difficult place to play, but I think the matchup presents itself much better this week. Seahawks are atrocious against the run. I think the Rams want to get back to that a little bit. You saw more of Daryl Henderson. We'll see whether or not Sony Michelle gets more of an opportunity when he had a full go. He was fairly effective until that fumble last week. Uh, But I just think the Rams are the more complete team, and Seattle still has all sorts of issues, especially stopping the run. So the fact that it's currently at only minus one and a half on win bet is still an advantageous line for me. Uh, Also something to keep in mind, the Rams have gone 4-0 in overs this year. Uh, Two teams that are probably going to go back and forth. But I think this is a good opportunity for the Rams to bounce back. I still think they're the best team in that division. So I'll take the minus one and a half on the road. I think the over, I think you're right with the over. Although I usually always tend on these to just pick a team one way or the other. So I'll, I'll continue that tradition. Um, I like Seattle at home in this game. I, I, I think the Rams are the better team on a neutral field. And I think over the long haul, they will win the division. This is a short turnaround. They just lost at Arizona, and you can say, well, they'll come back. They'll be desperate. Neither coach has really had the advantage. The last couple of years, they've split both years. 
2018, the Rams did sweep. I don't have a big feel for the game, so I'm just going to kind of take the points on this one. I think Seattle is not as good, but they're home and they're explosive. Uh, now, the Rams shut them down last year in the playoffs. You know, give credit there. I know different teams, whatever, but I just like Seattle in this spot early in the year. Loud crowd. It's a hard place to play. Um, I'll take the points in Seattle, even though it's obviously not a big line. Everybody had the Rams in the Super Bowl. It's going to be Ram panic after they get smoked by the Seahawks this week. I'm with Verderam week on our first game today for the record. And I rarely step in on these things, but I just felt the need to step in on that one, gentlemen. You both were three and three last week. Uh, The Browns, not exactly scoring points this past week, but that defense dominant again in Minnesota. God bless them. They're one-point favorite at the Chargers. This is a great matchup. 49-and-a-half is the number. Ben? I like this matchup for the Browns, in particular because their strength matches up well against what the Chargers have struggled with the most all season. That's stopping the run. Going into last week, the Chargers were dead last. Despite how good their defense has been, they're arguably the best pass defense right now in the NFL. In fact, they were number one entering week four in opposing yards to wide receivers. But they're having issues at stopping the run, and that's what the the Browns do best. So if anything, that opens up a great opportunity for Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt to control time of possession. They're going to do that anyway, but it's even more of an incentive for them to continue to go ahead and, and do that on the road. Again, we saw in the Monday night game that even though the Chargers are at home, it's not really a home game. You're going to have a, a smattering of Browns fans all over SoFi Stadium. So there's really no home field advantage. And Justin Herbert's an absolute baller, and I still think he'll have a solid game, but this just plays so well into what Cleveland wants to do. The fact that you can basically get him at a pick sets up very well. I know it's two straight favorites, and underdogs have been awesome all year but this feels like a really good opportunity, especially with the public just seeing the Chargers and coming off a short week. I like the opportunity to go on Cleveland for this week. I like them a lot. Benny convinced me because I, I have gone back and forth in this game a million times because I agree with you. They're going to run the ball really well in the game, right? Like what you said is exactly what I was going to say. But also, you know, you look at this game and I think like the, the Browns should be able to get a pass rush in this one. Like Storm Norton's been a disaster right tackle for the Chargers. I would think you're going to see Clowney, but I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if Garrett sees a couple snaps over there as well. Um, I think that the, the corners for Cleveland, you can do enough there with Ward on Allen, or maybe you put him on Mike Williams, you double the other guy. I got to say the one thing that does scare me in this game, if you're from our perspective, on if you're taking the Browns, like Mayfield has not been good this year. He has not played well. And several open throws to Odell Beckham last he's week. He's terrible. Like I, I ter- If you're the Browns, and he plays like this the rest of the year, you cannot extend him. I'm sorry. You can't pay him $35 million a year to do this. Um, And Herbert, I think, is the much better quarterback at home. So I hesitate, but I do think overall the Browns are the better team. And the Chargers are still – like, I don't – the Chargers lost to Dallas. They were plus four in the turnover ratio against Kansas City and barely won the game. And that Raiders game, like – they should have killed the Raiders in that game and were like hanging on by a thread with 10 minutes to go. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'll take Cleveland, you know, kind of bite the bullet, take the Browns. So I don't just for the record, I don't know who the Chargers fans are in LA. I'm assuming they're not driving up from San Diego, but watching that game last night, how do you 
It's embarrassing. Like, well, they don't even know when to cheer. Like, don't (laughs) don't scream when Justin Herbert has the football and they're trying. Like, that's not that 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 that's not the time that you're yelling just because the Raiders fans are yelling. You don't try to out yell them. You might want to choose to, you know, I don't know, tell them to calm down. Just just start talking to them. Talk to the Raider fan next to you. Tell them, like, ask them a question. So you're trying to make it count. They don't even understand when to yell. I, I don't know. I, it wasn't good. It was not good. That, I don't know why that bothers me, but it bothered me. All right, the Bears are on the road. They're going to Vegas. Matt Nagy can't get out of his own way. I don't believe him when he says that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. I just, if he's healthy, I'm assuming that he's just uh, saying that because that's what he has to say early in the week. I'm assuming he'll come to his senses. Uh, but they are a five-point underdog at Vegas with a number of 45 and a half. Ben, you've been texting me about the, the brilliance that is the Bears. Are you picking them this week? Yeah, I'm not picking them at all. In fact, the moment that you said he's going to come to the right realization that he's going to play Justin Fields this week, come to his senses, what what indication has Matt Nagy given you that that's going to happen? The only reason they ended up playing Justin Fields and announcing it on Saturday night with nobody paying attention was because Andy Dalton must have had some sort of a setback because he was going to be a game-time decision on Sunday for some reason against the Lions after what happened in week three. The Bears are a complete, absolute, and total joke of itself. And also we saw the the betting market kind of indicate that there's zero confidence in Chicago based on the coaching staff and based on everything that's been happening over the course of the season. The line opened at three and a half. It shot up to five and a half at some books. WinBet currently has it at five. Um, You know, it's Matt Nagy, despite having an opportunity for a feel-good moment for the team, for Justin Fields, to say, yeah, you know, we, we really thought the future of our franchise had a great opportunity, five passes of 20 yards down the field, to really sort of praise up his guy, turned the whole press conference into, well, you know, Bill Lazor called the plays, but, you know, I'm still involved in the process. It's just oh. so petty at this point. And I understand that there's no real reason to have a whole lot of confidence in them. You know, Khalil or, you know, you have uh, Khalil Mack going back against the Raiders revenge game. I suppose it's not really in Oakland. It's in Vegas. I'm not sure on the bear side defensively, even though they've looked better, who's going to stop Darren Waller. Like who's the guy in the middle of the field. Like is Roquan Smith going to just have to stay with him the whole time. That takes away so many other opportunities for them in the middle of the field. It, it just doesn't set up well for the bears. It feels like a stay away from me because I don't know who's going to be calling the plays. I don't know what quarterback is going to be involved in this game. If anything, I'll probably lean over 45 and a half because I do think the Raiders are going to be able to score some points. And if the Bears can't score and the defense is on the field for the bulk of the game, then the Raiders are going to have more opportunities to have this Bears defense break. So I like the over 45 and a half if I have to take a side either way. I'll take the Raiders to cover, but I got to say, I do it hesitantly because the Raiders you know, they get off to a 3 enough start and everybody's going crazy. Well, they, they won two of those games in overtime in weird, wild games, they, and they beat Pittsburgh. Then they get beat pretty handily by the Chargers. I think the Raiders are a decent team, but if Fields plays in this game, you could definitely sell me on the idea that he throws for 250 and runs for 70 and Gruden can't figure out how to get him stopped and it just turns into one of these things where the Bears are able to win. I think, though, the problem I have is obviously Matt Nagy's involved, so that that is one problem I have. The other problem I have is I feel like the Bears are just so severely lacking in weapons. Like it, you know, Montgomery's out. If you do anything to, to stop Robinson, I feel like they just can't move the football. 
Um, and, and the Bears offensive line is terrible. The Raiders have gotten pressure. I like the Raiders to cover, but I agree with you. I like I wouldn't bet it with my money. But if you're asking me who would I take, I would take the Raiders to win by you know a touchdown. Yeah, we'll just we'll just take Carm's money. We'll just take that that big that's right. bonus, and uh, we'll go ahead and put it on the Raiders here. F- Fields has really good chemistry with Darnell Mooney. Those guys are friends off the field, and it's showing up on the field with the double move and also the diving catch. And and Mooney has got a you know ton of speed, so that's one that's one weapon. But um, yeah, the the David Montgomery thing is obviously an enormous loss, and their backup Damian Williams is also hurt too. So that's I don't know who's going to be carrying the football for the Bears. Uh, by the way, one one other note that I thought was interesting this week. Week three, Justin Fields led the league with an aggressive rate thrown into coverage of 45%. Week four, he was at 5.9%. So they, he went from trying to throw balls into a tight pocket to let's just be really careful here. Bill Lazor, offensive coordinator, Lazor the savior, putting – a quarterback in position to actually be successful. Thank you for getting out of the way, Matt Nagy. The stats backing up that you absolutely should have been out of the way. Congratulations. All right, that's enough Bears talk. 49ers and Cardinals, another awesome game this week. Ben, they're falling in love with Arizona. Best team in football. Some people are saying that. They're out of their minds, but they're saying it. Five-and-a-half-point favorite at home versus San Francisco. Fifty-and-a-half is the number. Yeah, this feels like the perfect time to jump off the Cardinals bandwagon and get back towards the 49ers. This is like the ultimate public fate of the week. You saw the 49ers lose two games in a row, got gashed in the second half at home by the Seahawks last week after a disappointing loss in week three at home against the Packers. They go back on the road where they're 2-0 this year. Arizona's being inflated based on Kyler Murray driving up the MVP odds. He's currently the favorite over at WinBet at plus 450. Cardinals are tied now for co-favorites to win the NFC West with the LA Rams. Like, it's just, all of this feels like this is going to be such a heavy public play, and there's no confidence right now. And frankly, we're not sure whether or not the 49ers are going to roll out with Jimmy G or Trey Lance, and that's going to scare public betters away too. So I, I think if you're looking to take the 49ers like I am this week, I, I think you can probably wait, and this line could possibly even move up to, to six maybe even six and a half, depending on, on how much the market falls in love with Arizona. But for purposes of this show, because Carmen, I know you, you gave me a hard time with this last week. You're saying, well, maybe if you move the line here. No, I'll, I will take <laughs> the 49ers plus five and a half on the road. I think the defense bounces back. Remember, uh, in Arizona's fall from grace in the final few weeks of the season, they really struggled in a home matchup against the 49ers. I think yes. they knew how to play Kyler Murray really well. And C.J. Beathard was involved in that game. And they, and they still or Nick Mullins, one of them, and they still lost to him. I, I'm with you 100. percent This this game is whenever people start to just completely jump on a bandwagon with a team that has proven nothing, and in this case, it's an entire existence. Right, nothing against the Cardinals. You, there's no way I'm taking them minus five and a half in this game. Like maybe they win. This is a team that in the last minute of the third quarter was losing at Jacksonville and then should have lost to Minnesota if they could kick a field goal. And and that stuff gets lost because it's like, oh, they beat the Rams last week. That's fine. It's a great win. If if Garoppolo plays, I think the Niners will cover this. I think the Niners may even win the game outright. If if they don't play Garoppolo, then you have a little bit more of like, we well, don't really know what's going to happen because Lance is playing. But 
Shanahan, I think, is going to stitch a clown suit on Kingsbury in this game. That is the biggest mismatch to me. All the way, Niners, minus five, plus five and a half. Whether they win or not, I don't know. They're also like, that's the easiest tease in the world, right? Like, if you got a three-team teaser going, like, tease them up to 11 and a half. That, that, I, that I feel like I don't care who the quarterback is. I feel good about it. Right, for, the re- for the record, the public, they're on Arizona, but they're not overly on the Cardinals. 62% of the money right now is coming in on Arizona, 38 on San Francisco. You, I mean, the, the you know, the public – Absolutely. Uh, the, the big, the biggest public spread this week is nobody in the entire world is picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the Tennessee Titans. So if you want to fade the public this week, ride those Jaguars, which is super dangerous, but that's, uh, that's the recommendation they're getting. They're getting four. You, you could ride an actual Jaguar. And I think that would be less dangerous than riding with Josh. <laughs> All right. Two, two more to go here. Let's There's do the Meyer joke in there somewhere too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's not get HR involved. But yes. There's just plenty. Uh, way to go, Urban. Good job, buddy. Hey, Bills and Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City is a three-point favorite at home. The, the public actually loves Buffalo in this game, which I think is interesting. Biggest over, uh, biggest number this week at 56 and a half, Ben. This is tough because we finally saw the Chiefs get off the schneid and and cover the spread in a regular season game for the first time since November 1st, 2020, uh, when they were 20 and a half point favorites at home against the Jets and and still ended up winning that game 35 to nine, or it was either 35 to nine or 34 to nine, still ended up covering the 20 and a half. Now they're back home, clearly a very, very important game, but, but Buffalo has figured out after uh, just a weird loss to, to Pittsburgh, I mean, they're they're the class of the of the AFC right now. Like, it's not Kansas City. Kansas City still found a way to get their offense going, but still gave up 30 points to the Philadelphia Eagles. And a team that I, I think is actually with a, a really solid quarterback in Jalen Hurts, probably a conversation for another time. I, I don't know how I want to handle this game. And it's weird to see the Chiefs not be, you know, a public big favorite play. Like, they've been that way for so long and betters have just suffered up until last week. But with Buffalo, you know, the Chiefs have had their number the last two times that they've played them, both in Buffalo in week five or week six last year. Yep. And Kansas yep. City won, won fairly effectively. And then in the AFC Championship game, when Kansas City won effectively as well. But the defense just is, is nowhere near where it needs to be. And it's probably going to lean me in the direction. And I hate doing this because I hate taking overs on Sunday Night Football because that is such a public play, especially with these two teams. But I, I just don't know how Kansas City stops Buffalo. And I think with Mahomes throwing for, you know, four or five touchdown passes last week, how Buffalo is going to slow him and the rest of this offense down. Travis Kelsey's not going to have a four or five catch game again. Like he's going to be active. Tyree Kill's been playing terrific as of last week. I'll, I'll side with the public here, take the over 56 and a half, even though it's not necessarily what I know I should do. It's what I want to do. And I feel like that's going to be the play this week. You wimp. Kansas City, Kansas. Go ahead, Bergeron. Where's the Where's the Chiefs' uh, confidence here, Mister Arrowhead Addict? No, look, man. You know what? It's not a lack of confidence. I just think it's a weird game. Like Buffalo has played nobody four straight games. The Steelers are awful. The Dolphins are awful. Okay, Washington's not any good, and Houston is barely a football team. Like you look at the four quarterbacks they've played. They're like four of the like six or seven worst quarterbacks in the league. Like Heineke's the best guy by a mile. So I 
I don't know what to make of it. Like, I know they have two shutouts. That's incredibly impressive no matter who you're playing. But now you go to Kansas City. Like, do I think they're going to give up 20 points in this game? No, I don't. Like, I think the Chiefs are going to score points. However, the Chiefs are the worst defensive team I can remember seeing in, in a long time. That being said, if you pin me down as you look, you got to pick, I would take the Chiefs to win the game. I, I just think in their building on Sunday Night Football, you know what? It's kind of like I said about Arizona, but the opposite direction, right? Like Arizona, I don't trust because they've never won anything of any significance. And it feels like every time you start believing in teams like that, that's when you get bitten in the ass and they immediately fall on their face. This, I feel like, is the other way. You're going to hear all week about how Buffalo's defense is great. And here come the Bills and they're the favorites. And here, and you hear that for years with New England, right? Like you get like Pittsburgh going up there on a not on like a Monday night in Foxborough and the Pats were three and two. And then you'd watch for like 10 minutes and go, oh, God, no, like New England is just going to steamroll them in this game. For the record, I don't like to be meathead fan guy. Just that's your team. You got to pick them. I mean, that's, that guy's really a huge idiot. But for some reason, I want you both because Ben lives in Kansas City and Verderam, you're wearing red underwear right now. And I, I, uh, I, I actually, I might, I'm not sure if I'm, or I'm not. But regardless, look, I, I will say that I have not picked the Chiefs to cover a game. I, three of the four games, I've not picked them to cover. I, I guess I'm just annoyed at like people jumping off the chief bandwagon. Just everybody settle down. Long season. They're still the favorite. Ben? Do you, do you think that, that people are legitimately jumping off the bandwagon? I think there's concern. I think there's reasonable concern oh, there should how be. bad the defense is. But I, I think if you ask Chiefs, if you pulled Chiefs fans, if you went back to our old stomping grounds at 610 Sports – and you ask Chiefs fans whether or not they're making the playoffs or whether they're going to be one of the top two, three seeds in the in the AFC. I, I don't think anyone's panicked there, but I think this team reminds them much more of the team that lost to the Patriots in the yep. AFC championship game than the team that won the Super Bowl the following year. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, there's some breaking stuff about Urban Meyer coming up here that uh, we can hit on the back end of the pod, but let's just do the last game. Colts and the Ravens. Uh, Baltimore is a six and a half point favorite at home over Indy who shocked the world by getting Tennessee last week, which was the one game that I lost in my strong week in my own little uh, gambling pool. But anyway, uh, Baltimore six and a half, Ben. Ravens were a, a popular road underdog last week. I, I think they're going to be a popular home favorite this week. Uh, nobody wants anything to do with the Colts and, and they got themselves a, a much needed victory in large part because they were able to run Jonathan Taylor and get him going a little bit. And Carson Wentz was able to be protected in this game as well. I, we've talked about this on this pod before, Verderam, about how Baltimore blitzes like no other. And when you have Carson Wentz with two bum legs right now, that could be a bit of a concern. Um, at the same time, I, I also trust Frank Reich to come up with a competent offensive game plan to run Jonathan Taylor, especially if they're putting that much pressure. I think he has a big game. I think the Colts cover the spread. Okay. Look, you and I are on opposite sides of this. I, Baltimore typically beats the hell out of bad teams. I think Indianapolis is a bad team. Now, that being said, they barely beat Detroit. So, fair enough. And the Raiders, I don't know if they're good or bad yet. They lost that game. So, maybe that's not the case. Sure the best injuries. game came last week against Denver on the road. I, I just don't know if they can do it again. Right. No, no question. Because the Chiefs game, really, I mean, if Edwards Alaire doesn't fumble, they probably lose that game. But right. um, I agree with you. I just, you know, what? I'll, I'll be blunt. I just I, I I can't ride with Wentz in this game. I just can't do it. I I have so much. I, all I picture is if you bet on him, 
And then you're watching that game. You're like, God almighty, why? Why did I do this? He just threw his third pick. Like, I can't. I can't. T- he just he just took his eighth sack of the game. Like I I can't deal. So I'm going to take Baltimore. I think they went by like ten points. Uh, it, it's it's a. If by the way though, what is the over under on this game? Forty seven. I might take the under in that. I I could you know I could see a game where it's like twenty you know twenty three to sixteen or something. But I I would I will take Baltimore to cover. Hey, Ben, did you cross paths in your time at Sports Illustrated with Michael Silver? I did not. Okay. He was there. I, I forget the timeline. Ben, before he joined us, was uh, with SI. Before he was with 610 Sports Radio. And Ben's uh, constantly ascending in a positive direction career. But uh, Michael Silver from SI is why I'm bringing this up. Here's the thread. The Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told me, quote, he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with. And the second uh, in the thread is players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over videos of him and a young woman getting cozy in that Ohio bar. Quote, he even canceled the team meetings. He was too scared. Instead, Meyer only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the videos as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice to say, the audience was highly skeptical. One player, we looked at him like, what the fuck? Right when he left, everyone started laughing, started dying laughing, and he knew it. Bottom line, the player saying, quote, it's bad. I don't know how he's going to function. That's amazing. Things are, times are good. Times are good. I, I know uh, Mike Silver um, pretty well. Actually, pretty, pretty good friends with him. And I, I will say he, he's a hell of a reporter. B, so I, I trust everything he reported. And B, um, if he's reporting that, it's because he's heard that from, I'm sure, multiple people at this point. That is not surprising. And you know me, Carm. I've, I've hated that hire since they made it. I, I, I thought he'd last one year. I don't know if he's making it to Christmas. I, I, I it, it's so bad. I fully expect him to just leave and take the USC job. I really do. But do, uh, do you think Jacksonville, given everything that they dealt with, to try and go ahead and make this hire from just purely from a PR standpoint, don't they just kind of have to ride it out and then say to Urban, "All right, if you want to go, please, please go, go take the USC job, get out of here, rid us." of your stench in this locker room and and we can all move on. But I think if you're Jacksonville, you, you have to try and save face here and say, no, we're, yes. we're committed. We're committed to, to urban Meyer unless this situation gets so bad that there's some sort of a team revolt. I, I don't think they can fire him. I think they need him to leave. Well, I agree. And I'll just add quick. So there also statement came out on Tuesday morning from Shad Khan, the owner of the team statement reads quote, I have addressed this matter with Urban. Specifics of the conversation will be held in confidence. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Urban's remorse, which I believe is sincere. Now he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports, represents, or plays for our team. I am confident he will deliver. Let me tell you, when you put out a statement, that in part reads, he must regain our trust and respect. And it's about your head coach, not good. Like I, And I'm with you, Ben. They're going to save as much face as they possibly can here. 
But if I wouldn't, I literally would not be surprised if behind the scenes they're talking with him right now, going, "Look, man, you want if you get a college offer, we would prefer that you take it. Get out." I didn't mean to jump on you there. No, go ahead. no I'm but, done. That's why. But I just don't like you. You keep on saying this. Like he's going to go to USC. How does USC hire him at this point? You can't hire that guy. It's it's such a different college level too. at the college level where he's so much more established and he's won. And they also know that's likely going to be a short timetable before something else inevitably happens and they can kind of prepare for that. But you, USC right now is at the point where they need a big name. They need somebody that can stabilize and he can do that fairly quickly, even after yep. this disaster in the NFL. Even was a disaster in the NFL and, and Alabama couldn't wait to bring him in and it's worked out wonders for them. He's not Nick Saban, but if you're looking for a Saban light that's already won multiple championships, I think Urban to USC still makes a ton of sense. Ben, good to see you, brother. Good work. Good to see you guys. Good luck with uh, with these bets. I hope you wrote uh, I hope you wrote these ones down as well. Yeah, I, we're, we're we're keeping track, baby. Three and three, tied up last week. We'll see if one of you can take the lead on uh, on our week five. And uh, yes, follow Ben on Twitter and read everything at BetSided, or else we will find you and 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 make you hang Scream out with you. right something. Okay, Ben. We'll see you next week. We'll come back and wrap up stack in the box next. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to Isaac Bruce. Thanks to our guy, Ben Heisler. Thank you to Urban Meyer for providing all sorts of entertainment. Um, good luck to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Verram, the baseball playoffs are here. NBA's back. What are you most excited about? I hope the Red Sox kill the Yankees, but also Knicks, baby. Most importantly, Knicks are back. The most important game in New York this week. They are opening her up at the Garden. Can't wait. 7.30 Eastern. You better believe I'll be watching. Uh, looking forward to hopefully winning, you know, 45 plus games, getting back in the playoffs. And, and you know, I have no uh, images of Grandor. I know they're not going to go to the conference final or anything, but if they could be competitive in the first round, take somebody to seven or something, that'd, that'd be good. You know, keep building the foundation, baby. Watch out for those Chicago Bulls, baby. I'm hearing tremendous chemistry with Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, with a little Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I'm skeptical on this, but that's the word out of uh, the Advocate Center, which is where the Bulls practice. I'm fired up for the baseball playoffs, baby. I'm going to look forward to, I think I'm going to game four, White Sox and Astros. And uh, I think it's going to be a great series. People are sleeping on the White Sox. I think that series is going to be a lot more competitive than a lot of the baseball public thinks. I think the White the Sox are going to win that series. Wouldn't surprise I think they can me at all. Him. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, we shall see. They've got a much better bullpen, so and that yep. tends to matter in in baseball series. Uh, and by the way, speaking of that, check out the new baseball podcast with Robert Murray, the Baseball Insiders that yes. Fanside is putting out there, uh, rock and roll. And Frank Thomas was on the uh, first episode. But uh, that's it, Bertram. I'm very excited to uh, 
have all the sports rolling. We got the NBA coming back, football, baseball, great time of year, minus the fact the winter's right around the corner. And there is a there's a rumor out there that maybe potentially me, you, Hunter Armour, and company are all gonna see a baseball playoff game with the Brewers and the Giants if if San Francisco can make it through. Giants gotta just get it done. They get it done and and we'll uh we'll head up to to uh, see him play the brew crew. If, drink, if uh, I think shake out correctly. Drink some spotted cow. Right. Have some cheese. Be big. Eat a brat. Love it. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you to everybody who has commented on Stack in the Box and uh, given a rating and has told a friend. We, we love all of you. Rem, you want to say goodbye? Please comment, rate, and subscribe. Do it. Step up. We need it. I don't care. Make fun of me in it. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Five stars, baby. We'll see you next week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.